In Africa, we say God gave the white man a watch and gave a black man time. <laughs> I think, how is it possible for a, a man who has so much time to tell a story in 18 minutes? I think it's going to be quite a challenge for me. Most African stories these days, they talk about famine, HIV and AIDS, poverty or war. But my story that I would like to share with you today is the one about success. It is about a country in the southwest of Africa called Namibia. Namibia has got 2.1 million people, but it is only twice the size of California. I come from a region in the remote northwest part of the country. It's called Kunene region. And in the center of Kunene region is the village of Sesfondain. This is where I was born. This is where I'm coming from. Most people that are following the story of Angeline Jolie and Brad Pitt will know where Namibia is. <laughs> they love Namibia for its beautiful dunes that are even taller than the Bayer State buildings. Wind and time have twisted our landscape in a very strange shapes, and these shapes are sparkled with wildlife that has become so adapted to this harsh and straight land. I'm a Himba, as I'm standing. You might wonder why are you wearing these western clothes. I'm a Himba, a Namibian. The Himba is one of the 29 ethnic groups in Namibia. We love a very um, traditional lifestyle. I grew up Hating, looking after our livestock, goat, sheep, and cattle. And one day, my father actually took me into the bush. He said, John, I want you to become a, a good herder. Boy, if you, if you are looking after our livestock and you see a cheetah eating our goat, cheetah is very nervous. Just walk up to it. Walk up to it and smack it at the backside. And he will let go of the goat and run off. But then he said, boy, if you run into a lion, hey, don't move. Don't move. Stand your ground. Puff up. Just look it in the eye. And it may not want to fight you. <laughs> but then he said, if you, if you see a leopard, huh, boy, you better run like hell. <laughs> Imagine you run faster than those goats you are looking after. In this way, in this way, I actually started to learn about nature. In addition of being an ordinary Namibian, in addition of being a Himba, I'm also a, a trained conservationist. And it is very important, if you are in this field, to know what to confront and what to run from. I was born in 1971. We left under apartheid regime. The whites 
could file grace and, and hands as they wish. But we black, we were not regarded responsible to look up to, to use white life. Whenever we tried to hunt, we were called poachers. And as a result, we were fined and locked up in jail. In 19, between 1966 and 1990, the U.S. and Soviet interests fought for control over my country. And you know, during war times, there are militaries, armies that are moving around. And the army hunted for valuable rhino horns and tusks. And they could sell these things for anything between 5,000 US dollars a kilo. During the same year, almost every Himba had a rifle. Because it was war time, the British 303 rifle was just all over the whole country. Then, in the same time, around 1980, we had a, a very big drought. It killed almost everything that was left. Our livestock was, was, was almost at the brink of extinction. Predators were, um, were hungry. I remember a night when a hungry leopard went into the house of one of our neighbors and took a sleeping child out of the bed. It's a very sad story. And, but even today, Peter, people, that memory is still in people's mind. They can pinpoint to the exact location where this all happened. And then the same year, we, we almost lost everything. And my father said, why don't you just go to school? And they sent me off to school just to get busy somewhere there. And the year I went to school, my father actually got a job with a non-governmental organization called IRDNC, Integrated Rural Development and Nature Conservation. They actually spent a lot of times, years in the community. They were trusted by the local communities like our leader, Yoswa Kangombe. Joshua Kangombe saw what was happening, wildlife disappearing, uh, poaching was skyrocketing, and the situation seemed very hopeless. Death and despair surrounded Joshua uh, and, his, and our entire communities. But then the people from IDNC proposed to Joshua, what if we pay people that you trust to look after wildlife? Do you have anybody in your communities or people that know the bush very well and that know wildlife very well? Was, Hetman said, yes, our poachers. Huh? Our poachers? Yes, our poachers. And that was my father. <laughs> my father has been a poacher for quite a long time. Instead of shooting poachers dead like they were doing elsewhere in Africa, IRDNC has helped Hetman reclaim their abilities to manage their peoples and their rights to own and manage wildlife. And this, as people started feeling ownership over wildlife, wildlife numbers started coming back, and this actually became a, a foundation for conservation in Namibia. With independence, the whole approach of community getting involved was embraced by our new government. Three things that actually helped to build on this foundation. The very first one is honoring of tradition and being open to new idea. Here is our tradition. At every Himba village, there is a sacred fire. And at this sacred fire, the spirit of our ancestor speaks through the headmen and advises us where to get water, where to get uh, grazings, and where to go and hunt. 
And I think this is the best way of regulating ourselves um, on the environment. And here's the new ideas. Translocating rhinos using helicopters, I think it's much easier than talking through a spirit that you can't see, isn't it? And these things we were taught by outsider. We, we learned these things um, from outsider. We needed new boundaries to describe our traditional lands. We needed to learn more things like GPS, just to see whether can GPS really reflect the true reflection of the land or is it just things that are made somewhere in the, in the West. And we, we really wanted to see whether we can match our ancestral map with digital maps made somewhere in the world. And through this, we actually started realizing our dreams and we maintain honoring our traditions, but we were still open to new ideas. The second element was that we wanted to have a life, a better life where we can benefit through many things. Most poachers, like my father, were people from our own community. They were not people from outside. These were our own people. And sometimes once they were caught, they were treated with respect, brought back into the communities, and they were made part of the bigger dreams. The best one, like my father, I'm not complaining for my father, <laughs> they were put in charge to stop others from, from, from poaching. And when this thing started going on, we started becoming one community, renewing our connection to nature. And that was a very, a very strong thing in Namibia. The last element that actually helped develop these things was the partnership. Our government has given legal status over our traditional lands. The other partners that we have got is the business communities. Business community helped bring Namibia onto the world map, and they have also helped make Watlaf a very uh, a valuable land uses like any other land uses such as agriculture. And most of my conservation colleagues today that you found in Namibia has been trained through the initiative or through the involvement of World Wildlife Fund in the most up-to-date conservation practices. They have also given funding for two decades to this whole program. And so far, with the support of World Wildlife Fund, we've been able to scale up a very small programs to a national programs today. Namibia or Sesfondain was not no more an isolated village somewhere hidden away in Namibia. We realized that we are now part of the global village. 30 years has passed since my father's first job as a community game guard. It's very unfortunate that he passed away and he could not see the success as I and my children see today. When I finished school in 1995, there were only 20 lions in the entire northwest, in our area. But today, there are more than 130 lions. So please, if you go to Namibia, make sure that you stay in the tents. Don't walk out at night. The black rhino, they were almost extinct in 1982. But today, Kunene has the largest concentration of black rhino, free-rooming black rhinos in the world. This is, a, this is outside protected area. <laughs> the leopard, 
That leopard, they are now in big numbers, but they are now far away from our village because the natural play has multiplied like zebras, springboks and everything. They, they stay a little bit far away because all these other things have multiplied from less than a thousand to tens of thousands of animals. And what started as a very small community rangers getting community involved has now grown into something that we called conservancies. Conservancies are legally instituted institutions by government, and these are run by the communities themselves for their benefit. Today we have got 60 conservancies that manage and protect over 13 million hectares of land in Namibia. We have ready reshaped conservation in the entire country. And nowhere else in the world has community adopted conservation at this scale. In 2008, conservancy generated $5.7 million. This is our new economy. Economy based on the respect of our natural resources. And we are able to use this money for many things. Very importantly, we put it in education. Secondly, we put it for infrastructure, food. Very important as well. We invest this money in HIV and HIV education. You know that Africa has been affected by these viruses. And this is the good news from Africa that we have to shout from the rooftop. And now, what the world really needs is for you to help me, Ted, to help me and our partners take some of what we have learned in Namibia to other places with similar problems. Places like Mongolia or even in your own backyards, the northern Great Plains, where buffaloes and other animals have suffered and many communities are in decline. I like that one. Namibia serving as a model to Africa and Africa serving as a model to United States. Uh, we were successful in Namibia because we dreamed of a future that was much more than just a healthy wildlife. We knew conservation will fail if it doesn't work to improve the life of the local communities. So, come and talk to me about Namibia, and better yet, come to Namibia and see it yourself how we have done it, and please do visit our website to learn more and see how you can help CBNRM in Africa and across the world. Thank you very much.